Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to um, turn it over to Shree to teach us again. Father, we thank you so much for what you have taught us so far in our discussion groups and in our time of study in Hebrews 11. What an amazing, encouraging chapter in your word, Father. And we just thank you so much for the encouragement of this great cloud of witnesses. And so I am just asking God for wisdom for Sheree as she she shares with us what you have put on her heart. God, we expect you to teach us something new and to give us a new perspective. And we're so thankful that you do that through each of us, through different, through the ways that you speak to us. And um, so God, we look forward to what she will say, but we recognize that it's coming from you. And so we give all credit, all honor, and all glory to you. We praise you together and we we pray your... your, um, just comfort and strength to Cherie right now. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Can we just love Amy? <laughs> Grateful for her. Okay, so did y'all have a good spring break? Yeah, well, I got to spend time with uh, my college-age kids, which um, was a treat. And uh, I. Uh, it's funny how you... Uh, I see them less, but I don't love them any less. I miss them more and love them all the more. So um, speaking of um, parenting, let me see. Um, Several years ago, a book came out, and uh, there was uh, an American journalist who went to, are some of you familiar with this book? An American journalist who went with her husband and her young kids to live in Paris, France, poor thing. And what she saw was that the French kids um, behave very differently than American kids. And so she, uh, she wrote a book. And uh, in her book, she, was, uh, she, she um, reveals how she was researching and investigating what the differences were to account for the differences in behaviors. So when she was at the uh, parks watching the kids, she noticed that the French kids were um, able to, in their squabbles, to reconcile their differences better. And uh, <clears throat> she, um, quicker and more independently. And then when the moms were meeting for, the French moms were meeting for coffee and sipping their lattes, um, the children, the French children weren't interrupting so much. They were better able to occupy themselves. And um, the big thing, surprise, surprise, with the French kids, was that they were better eaters. And this isn't just because their moms were French cooks, but um, she was investigating why um, they had came to the table with big appetites and were enthusiastic eaters. And um, she saw this principle um, in all of these things that connected was this principle of making their children wait. So when their children were squabbling in the park, instead of just jumping in and trying to fix things for them, uh, she uh, noticed that the parents were pausing, observing, and um, letting the kids have some self-reflection. And then also, um, like for eating, the French parents didn't let their kids just go and have in-between snacks, but they had to wait for the meal. So, of course, the kids run to the table, very enthusiastic to eat their veggies and pate. So, there's something to that. So, um, as we as God's children, I think we see the principles, um, these same principles are put into place. Um, 
because um, have you ever noticed that God is never early? Anybody? So, but with all things of God, um, there is an intent and there is a gain. Um, And oftentimes when we're praying for something, we get so focused on our circumstances and um, we want to see results. And uh, so we're not really focusing on God's character and what he is bringing about in the waiting, what he is cultivating. So we tend to feel that unanswered prayers um, might be more of an indicator of God's absence or maybe even his disapproval and rather than an opportunity to gain spiritually. And so like parenting, um, what God achieves in the waiting is oftentimes more significant than what he, than in the bringing. So when I thought of Hebrews 11, I used to always think about this book as this like fuzzy, inspiring thing with these great people. And um, so when I was reading this over, Um, I really think that the author was intending, yes, those to be inspired and encouraged by these heroes of the faith, but also the context of the bookends of Hebrews. And what I mean by the bookends of Hebrews, the first three verses of Hebrews, and then the last few verses of Hebrews. And I think that gives the context to feed into the center. And so I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to read the um, first three verses and then the end verses. And while I'm reading those, I want you to just look and consider these three words of waiting, of suffering, and reward. So Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So I think that sets a very uh, key introduction. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so now let's jump over to 36 through 40 at the very end. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Well, so much for the warm fuzzies of my ideas of that. And then here it says, in all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should, be made, they, they should not be made perfect. So again, we're hearing that better and perfect again. So um, I think that there's three things to really, I'm just not doing well for y'all. <laughs> am, I, am I leaving you behind? Okay, sorry. Okay, so there's three things um, when I'm talking about Hebrews 11 that I want um, to um, focus on, and that's waiting, suffering, and reward. And I think that in these scriptures, in the beginning and the end, we see that these are really tied to faith. And so the interesting thing is, is that waiting and suffering are things that in our flesh we want to run away from. And reward is what we want to run to. And so when they're all put together, that just makes this big internal conflict, right? So, because in faith, 
we see that all of these components of waiting, suffering, and reward are brought together. And now, if you take them apart, they're just not good in and of themselves. Because if you were waiting without a goal, what would people say about you? They would say you're loitering or you're crazy. Um, if you were someone who was choosing to suffer without a purpose, um, they would say you were a masochist. And if you were having a reward without a sacrifice, they would say, well, you can't really appreciate that. That really doesn't have value or merit. And so when we put all of these factors, excuse me, <laughs> ah, sorry. <clears throat> okay. When we put all of these factors together, um, you really see the beauty of faith, that it's very multifaceted and that it's a very noble, beautiful thing. And I think oftentimes we are so um, a flippant about faith and we can say to each other, oh, you just need to have faith. But I think oftentimes we don't really weigh the merit of what that means to somebody, that that also means that they're going to have to wait and they're going to have to endure and suffer. And so... <clears throat> I think it's helpful if we acknowledge that it's hard. And I love that Hebrews 10.36, um, I'll just read it for you. It says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so we see that faith is not for wimps. It is something to really be held up and respected. <clears throat> so if I tell you to have faith, do you really have a vision for what that means or what you should do? Is that something that you can really sink your teeth into? And uh, I think that faith is a spiritual discipline. And as a part of that, that waiting is a spiritual discipline. Suffering is a spiritual discipline. And looking um, for a reward is also a spiritual discipline. <clears throat> And so I think that the he author of Hebrews, um, in his concern for the early church, he, just like last week, we talked about how the church had done well. Um, I think that this parable of, uh, that Jesus gave of the seed falling to the ground and not getting root um, is in his mind as chapters one through nine, <clears throat> excuse me, chapters one through nine, I'm talking too fast, <laughs> um, chapters one through nine, He's focusing on the rewards and encouraging the church that there are good things, there are better things. But now he's coming, we're coming to the end of the book where he's saying there are hard things, there is suffering, and there is hardship. So let's talk about um, the scriptures illuminating um, waiting. Um, and waiting is something that we don't like to do. And I, for me personally, I always think that it's kind of a waste because I want to get things done. I want to have something visible that I can see. And um, so that's because I'm looking for results with my eyes. And the scriptures in Romans and in Hebrews are both saying that this is not something that you see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm on the right slide. <laughs> so um, in Hebrews, in 1 through 3, it talks about faith being not seen. And then in Romans 8, it talks about how hope is not seen. And so this is something where if it's not seen, it's saying that we need to hear it because these verses are also talking about the word of God. And so in Genesis 1, we're very aware that God is talking and speaking and he is creating out of his word. And so... <clears throat> um, 
So we're very familiar with that. And I just want to encourage you that if God has provided, when he created Adam, he just spoke the word and he's creating out of dust. And so if God is creating physical life from dust, how much more is he going to create spiritual life from what we would say is nothing? Um, in Genesis 15.1, and this is really cool because we talked about Melchizedek, and uh, this is, uh, 15.1 is right after uh, Abraham, uh, God, Melchizedek blesses Abram. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, after um, uh, the word of the Lord comes to Abram, the first thing that Abram does in response to this is he's like, God, I got nothing. I have no heirs. And God tells him that he will have offspring. But uh, we know that Abraham did not wait so well for that, right? He was trying to help God out. So in John 1, we talked, <clears throat> we talked about um, John and Genesis in the last few Bible studies. And so we're familiar with um, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. <clears throat> so we see that it's very important to not be looking for results, but to be listening to God and looking at God's word. And we can see that God produces something from nothing. And it, when, it's, when we're feeling that nothing, is the time to go to God and go under the shadow of his wings and look to God and have that dependence be fostered and our strength be renewed by God. And we see that Faith is something that's active rather than passive. There is no neutral with faith because if we're not going forward with what we see, um, what we're looking for um, in God moving spiritually, then we are tempted to be doubting or to having, be having cynicism. <clears throat> so we see that it's very, very important to really be purposeful in our time of waiting and to have purposeful joy in our waiting, looking to gain spiritually. And so, just as the Bible talks about waiting, we see that Jesus waited. Uh, Hebrews 10, 12 through 13 says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. So you think you've been waiting a long time. Let me tell you, Jesus has been waiting longer, and he's still waiting. So be encouraged. So not just did Jesus wait, but he embraces, he, we are to embrace waiting. Uh, Romans 8, 17 through 23, this is really cool because here the same concept is all brought together. There's reward and suffering and waiting that's talked about. And so... <clears throat> Those verses are saying that we should be sharing in the rewards as we share in suffering as we wait. And then the next two verses are very similar to Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, um, talking about faith. But instead of faith, the um, word is hope and hope not being seen. <clears throat> For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, so let's talk about suffering. 
<clears throat> and we see, um, we've already seen in Hebrews uh, chapters 2, 4, and 5 that Jesus suffered. And suffering is a hard topic, not just because it's hard to endure, but it's also hard to understand. So <clears throat> I think sometimes in the back of our mind, we're thinking of that famous question that makes us so uncomfortable in why do the innocent suffer? And um, <clears throat> I think that's really the wrong question because I think the bigger question is not why do the innocent suffer, but rather thinking about Jesus. Why did the innocent suffer? And so if we look at Jesus, who was perfectly innocent, and that he suffered, um, that gives us a better lens to understand everything else, right? So that becomes the lens to view our life with, because God allowed the perfect innocent to suffer. And Christ chose to suffer. And that's very, very humbling for us to wrap our mind around that. And so, why did they do that? Because there was something greater to be gained in spiritual life. Now, there is a warning in the context of suffering I think is really, really important to say. And that is that we never interpret God through our earthly circumstances. We should never interpret God through our suffering. Nor should you interpret yourself through your earthly circumstances or through your suffering. And you should never interpret your purpose through earthly circumstances or through suffering. So we only have to look at the book of Job when we see that Job's good friends and his wife were all encouraging him to do just that, um, to look and interpret God and his life and his circumstances through his suffering. But suffering is really that opportunity to put off our flesh and to put on our new spirit as Ephesians 4 encourages us to do. <clears throat> so Jesus suffered, and so therefore... We are to suffer. So, Amy, I'm sorry I'm borrowing some uh, verses from, I think, your week. But they just said it so well. And I think um, that uh, it helps us to understand why Jesus suffered. In Hebrews 13, 12, it says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So why did he suffer? It's for relationship. It's for love. And then our response to his suffering is in Hebrews 13, 13, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. So the very next verse, <clears throat> I won't steal all of Amy's thunder, but um, it talks about reward, which is one of our key words. And then in verses 15 through 16, it talks about the overflow of the relationship. So it's really beautiful. So again, suffering is meant to foster strength and a deeper relationship as we dig deeper inward and worship. And so we want to profess the unseen. We want to say that God is good, that he is concerned, that he is wise, that he is powerful and faithful. And isn't that what faith is, is in despite our circumstances, that we profess the truth of God and his character. And that as we do that, we're building confidence that spiritual truths are greater than our earthly circumstances. So, <clears throat> we see that Jesus not only is the uh, rewards, 
but he is the reward. Uh, Hebrews 9, 29 and 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So uh, Hebrews 10, 35 also says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So... <clears throat> Jesus rewards, he is the reward, and therefore we are to embrace reward. And I love this, that this is a requirement. So this is like saying, Cherie, eat your dessert. And I'm like, yes, I can do that. I can do that really well. So um, it says, uh, Hebrews 11:6 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe um, not just that he exists, but that he rewards those who seek him. And I think oftentimes we're thinking that we need to be thinking of the hard things um, to be a good Christian. And I think it's really, really important that we also look at the rewards and the things that we are to gain. And I think the author of Hebrews is really trying to bring this about to say there's something better. Um, there's something that <clears throat> is beyond and we need to really hold on to that and to really be focusing and not forgetting that. So, um, I know I haven't concentrated too much on the heroes of the faith, but real quick, <clears throat> I will mention them. I just made a list, and as I was reading through Hebrews 11, I was really surprised because I hadn't noticed before that every time they mention somebody that's in the heroes, uh, you know, the, the Hall of Fame, um, they say the name, and immediately after that, there is a reward that they receive. And I'm like, oh, this reward thing is kind of a big deal. And I love that. Um, I can do reward. It's the suffering and waiting that's hard for me. So um, what I think is really interesting is that with each of these names and their reward, I just did like a little, uh, little note there. But it's really a microcosm. If you look at all of these things, it's a microcosm of what we're going to experience in heaven. And so they had it in part. And if you look at all these things, um, no death, heavenly kingdom, air, blessings, honor, victory, life, those are what we're all going to receive in full, all of us, all together. So... <clears throat> Um, Hebrews 11, to sum it up, is um, really talking about faith being a better gain. And so um, how do we respond to this hardship? We use waiting and suffering to put off the old and to put on the new. And it's really developing our heart for Christ in the waiting, actively creating something from nothing. And uh, that's easy to say, but that's really hard to do, Right? Um, and so practically, how do we work that out? And um, I think a great example of somebody who did this is um, the uh, mother of Jesus, Mary. And so I think if we can look at what she did and how she processed it and how she prepared for her hardship, and she was very proactive. And I think that it makes a great <clears throat> template for us in knowing how to prepare and be proactive with hardship. <clears throat> so, just a sec here. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to um, give a little summary um, of her situation and then use that as a template for us, and then we'll finish up. Um, <clears throat> so we all know Mary's story. Um, she uh, was... 
definitely with this uh, virgin birth um, being misunderstood, and she was at risk for possibly being stoned to death. Um, so talk about hard times. You're looking at losing your life. But what she did lose was um, a lot of loss in relationships, um, suffering a lot of shame and rejection. And she had to wait years and years and years um, and carry this stain with her before people would ever know that, um, that she was, as she said. And so um, she, in this pain and the suffering, she ran to Elizabeth and Luke 1, 48 through 55, gives this response of what she did and how she responded. And before we go into that, I just want to say that her words that we'll, we'll discuss and review are just filled with Old Testament quotations and uh, references. And so her heart and her mind are just saturated with the word of God. And she's referencing the law, she's referencing the prophets, she's referencing the Psalms. <clears throat> and so this entire passage that she says in these um, verses in Luke are a point-by-point -point reciting of the covenant promises of God, which I think is just really amazing and cool. Um, and so... <clears throat> Um, let me just, I'm going to read the verses to you, but I just kind of want to break up how I see it as how she approaches this hardship in drawing back on having known the word of God. So verses 48 through 49, Mary is affirming um, her identity in Christ. And remember last week I was talking about how we all want to be loved, we want everything to be okay, and um, we want significance. And so Mary is doing that, and when she greets Elizabeth, she just bursts out in affirming her identity in Christ in, <clears throat> in all these things. <clears throat> and then, uh, verses 50 through 53, she goes from affirming her identity in Christ to affirming God's attributes. And here she sees, she'll hear that she's saying that God is powerful. He's compassionate. He knows what's going on and he's going to provide and beyond. And so what we see here is this humility in herself that she's rejoicing in her spiritual situations rather than her earthly circumstances. And her faith is in God. So that, this is really cool. We go from initially in verses 48 through 49, talking about her individual identity to really moving and seeing that she is a part of God's plan and she's a part of the family of God. Even though people have rejected her, she knows that in God, she still has her place. And so in um, verses 54 through 55, <clears throat> we see that um, she is affirming God's work in his promises, the identity of the whole, and that she's looking back at Abraham and seeing the future of the, the offspring, and the covenant is being kept, and that she has that place where she is seeing that there's something bigger and there's something better. So let me just read those for you. <clears throat> uh, Luke 1, 46 through 49 and uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So here she's affirming, hey, it's all going to be okay. I have significance, and God loves me. Then she moves on to praise God. 
and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the might from the, their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Just an amazing presence of, of the awareness of who God is in the midst of her struggle. And so um, Luke uh, 1, 54 through 55, is very concentrated, but if you unpack it, there's a lot there. And um, she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And so you see that she's really seeing that, hey, there is a big picture in the part um, of this whole family and my place is here and it's good and it's with God. So I just want to um, encourage you to, in your hardship and in the time before any hardship would happen, that you really dig in to the word of God to prepare you um, for whatever may come and just to be able to rejoice in God always in your day-to-day life. Whoops, sorry. Um, And so with hardship, the answer is always to dig deeper into Christ by knowing his word and by abiding in his spirit so that you don't need to feel helpless by unanswered prayer, that you can have joy from living triumphantly in the unseen rather than your worldly circumstances, and that we shouldn't cast away um, the significance of active waiting. So you can have your presence be invested in, the, in faith and the future, not despair. And you should have energy being put into persevering for the promises and that your attention can be in affirming the attributes of God and acknowledging that God is active, not passive. So when we do these things, we gain a better spiritual life. Thanks, ladies.